Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Mark Boris and welcome to The Mentor. We've known for a very long time now that the number of people, particularly young people, consuming traditional news is on the decline as it tries to adapt and stay relevant in a social media heavy space. The Daily Oz, it's Australia's leading social media first news publisher and it's quickly becoming the most trusted news publisher amongst young people and traditional media is now taking note. In five to 10 minutes, you can get a summary of all the day's news plus an engaging deep dive into a big issue. Since 2017, Sam Kozlovsky and Zara Seidler have done a great job at presenting the top stories and it's all in the writing. Young people gravitate towards the Daily Oz because it delivers high-quality news that isn't patronising and is devoid of jargon. The Daily Oz is interesting because they manage to avoid pandering to advertisers, which is their strength that comes from listening closely to what their loyal audience wants. But can they take on big media and become an example of an adaptive new business model? Sam Kovzlovsky joins me on the show today, speaking as one half of the Daily Oz. We discuss how the publisher continues to reset the thinking for traditional media, why the assumptions of young adults are usually wrong, the ones we make, and how they are changing those assumptions. So let's get into it. Sam Kozlovsky, welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thanks for having me, Mark. Nice to be here. And you're a young fella too. You're not that, you know, I mean, relatively speaking, but what's interesting is that your audience is the same age group, thereabouts. Therefore, you're not a young fellow relative to your audience. Yeah. You're relevant to your audience. I quickly want to, and we will talk about your business, and probably more importantly, your business model. And if I could just sort of dig into the weeds a little bit around that, you know, so the, the uh, actual platforms and how you run your business yep. and you operate your business. But before we do that, I just want to just uh, backtrack a little bit. Um, you were a lawyer. I was. I guess you're still registered <laughs> as a lawyer. You're probably still licensed as a lawyer. It actually just lapsed. Just lapsed. Uh, I, we got a couple of letters in the mail to my share house and they kept getting stuck on the fridge saying, last chance, you sure you don't want to renew it? You sure? And You I, should renew it. Just I to, let it go. To, you let, let it go, did you? Yeah, because you've got to do all the professional development. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got other things to focus on now. Yeah. Well, I, I, you're a Sydney boy. You grew yeah. up in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, you're, you went to UNSW. Um, you must have done well in HC to get into – uh, did you do commerce law, science law? I did or journalism law. Journalism law. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, that's cool. I yeah. didn't know that. Okay. So you did comms. Uh, so was, what's that? Uh, Bachelor of Commerce or Australian School of Business Marketing or comms? No, what no, is it? School of Media and Communications. There is a school of that now. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So you did journalism in a theoretical sense, so to speak. Yeah. But 
and your law degree. That's a five-year degree. Five-year degree. Okay, so you complete your 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 um, comms law degree. If we could just yeah abbreviate to that. What'd you do after that? So I was working at Fox Sports throughout my entire degree um, as a social media marketing platform kind of all rounder. Why'd you go and work at the same time as doing your double degree? I really felt like it was going to teach me more than university. Um, and to be honest with you, in journalism, I was right. I learned much more on the ground in the biggest media company in Australia, um, understanding everything from the technology side of things, which is just so important to understanding the mechanics behind what does well, what doesn't, how things work, but also just understanding how media businesses run and where priorities lie and the tensions that lie between editorial and commercial and all of those interesting things that when you're doing a journalism degree, it's not really highlighted. What is highlighted in journalism is how to write a good story, how to develop an interview, all that kind of stuff. Research. Research, which is a great um, kind of pool of skills to have alongside some of those more practical skills. But I knew I wanted to rise up as quickly as possible in media in Australia. And then I saw the best way to do that would be to, to get involved as early as I could. So I started the week after my HSC. So what did you learn? I mean, like, you said Fox Sports. Fox Sports. Okay, so Fox News. that's working for um, – In my day, it was Patrick Delaney. Okay, was Patrick. The CEO. Now he's a boss now yeah. of the Total Joint. Yeah. But what did you learn about the personalities at a place like Fox Sports? Because it, it is a lot of strong personalities in Fox Sports then and now. Yeah, a lot of strong personalities. And, and the biggest issue I came up against was just how young I was. So when I started to manage a little team, um, they were all older than me. Uh, and that was really interesting to to navigate as an experience. But I think the thing that stood out to me at, at Fox was just how important it was to marry up all sides of the business. So the quality of the sport and the broadcast and the news was only going to be as good as the execution of commercial campaigns um, and the monetization of all of that as well. Um, and no one was really allowed to be siloed. You had to have an understanding of the editorial you had to have an understanding. If you, if you walked into a meeting and said, I want to work for this car company on a campaign at halftime, you had to understand the dynamics of what viewers wanted at halftime in that particular sport. Um, you couldn't afford to just be blind. And the same with editorial. Editorial couldn't afford to have no clue about what the obligations were to our partners. Uh, partners being commercial partners. Commercial partners. In yeah. other words, people sponsor you. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was the side of the business I was on. I wasn't really as much thinking about the viewers um, as I was thinking about how we're going to kind of integrate money um, and monetization strategies. So, you know, whether it be something like one of the projects I worked on was embedding tweets onto the live broadcast. So at the bottom yep. of the screen, you see yep. the live tweets. So we, we worked on the first time that ever happened, which was on a super rugby game probably in 2013, 2014. Um, and that was a great way to integrate branding uh, and it taught me a lot. One of the things that strikes me about a place like Fox Sports, I mean, I know a lot of the guys there, it's uh, apart from the editorial bent mm. of the organisation for Fox generally, yeah. um, that theme sort of runs right through Fox Sports and every other part of the business, every other part of Fox for that matter. Sure. Um, you know, it's sort of well-known, well-recognised where the Murdochs fit into these yep. environments. But then if you look at the personalities, they're actually uh, not only the producer of the show but also the talent in the show. Mm. Um, they're all a certain age group. They've all been around for a certain amount of time. they all pretty friendly with each other. 
Yeah. They they try their hardest to do um, some balance in terms of diversification. I mean, they, they more more recently that you see a lot a lot of females involved in as journalists, female journalists involved. Um, but it is strongly about the execution and the content is strongly personality driven, very much, and so. opinionated, very much so, um, and not necessarily right thinking opinionation, um, but you know is opinionated, yeah, and those personalities sort of own it. Yeah. <laughs> what is a, a young guy who looks at his own audience, his own cohort of people who are around his own age, your, in your case, yeah. what did it teach you maybe not to do or what did yeah. it teach you about what you wanted to do? It was it, it was a really transformative time to be in media. And, and, you know, a lot of people say that sports media is immune from a lot of these discussions about political ideology and all that kind of thing. Um, but a lot of the social issues feed into sport uh, and, and sport is often the first theatre that we see some of these issues play out, whether it be kneeling before an anthem. Or taking the knee. Taking the knee, um, the role of women in, in sport. And so what we saw at Fox still at that time was a very, very male audience who would only really respond to women's sports stories if there was some sort of like tokenistic or um, not an, an element without integrity there. So a story would do well on the front page about female um, UFC fighters. Mm. Um, and that's probably because they were scantily clad, not because they were good athletes. But then as we moved throughout those years, the recognition of women's sport and just how unbelievably fantastic it is for society to have a higher level of respect for women's sport started to come out. Um, and it was fantastic to see, especially women in the, in the workplace, be encouraged and empowered, um, but also be decision makers to integrate more women's sport into the way that Fox Sports does things. And now, I mean, the WBBL um, is fantastic. And the, I remember the first time the, um, the, big ba the women's Big Bash happened, somebody sat down in a meeting and said, oh, my God, I think it just outrate, outrated the A-League. Um, it was on the same night. And that was a big – I remember that moment very clearly. That was like, okay. You know, they, I remember they sold out the stadium of the AFLW, the first game ever, Carlton. People wanted it. This was all in about 2016, 17. And look where we are now. I mean, the Matildas have played two games in the last month in Sydney in front of huge crowds. Um, we have a massive appetite for women's sport at the Olympics, especially. We've we've seen some of our biggest stories at the Daily Oz this year be, you know, women winning gold medals in Tokyo. That's because they won most of them. And they, they did win most of them because they're, they're bloody good. Especially in the swimming. Yeah. You know, I watch Fox Sports. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've got KO, I've got all the whole thing going on and uh, I'm I'm an older generation, I'm a much older generation than you and I've been watching the um, evolution of women's sport, for example, um, and not only that, but women's commentators and I didn't resist it but I just thought, oh, well, they're just doing it to fall into the diversity thing. Yeah. Um, now I accept the position, what's on sport, and I actually I, I'm not a cricket, cricket fan but I do follow a lot of the other – uh, female, especially in the Olympics, but I also follow female stuff when it comes to UFC, boxing, etc. And I quite enjoy it. Um, but I'm sort of got dragged along with it, yep. so to speak. Yep. I, I had no choice because that's no. what was being put in front of me. Sure. Um, but your generation is more leading it. Very different. And so I, for us, it's get, not. What is it's, that? it's not women's sport, right? Yeah, yeah. It's that's just, my whole point. It's just sport. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know the news. The way that news was done, not just at Fox Sports, but in, across all media, as I was in kind of those years where I was thinking about what I wanted to do, um, it wasn't keeping up with what young people wanted. Uh, and when it was, 
it was treating young people as, you know, hooligans that we should swear at. So a headline for young people didn't have to be, I didn't think it should be, so-and-so is an effing idiot, talking about a prime minister. Mm. Young people actually want good news. They actually want good sports news. They don't want. What does that mean? Quality or what are you talking about? Quality. So think about, you know, um, think about a youth media publication as, as, as serious as an older person's publication, except for young people. It doesn't need the swearing the, the fancy colours, the graffiti, the kind of paraphernalia around the story. Um, but what we often find with youth media is that it's hyper-opinionated. So it's angry, it's, you know, um, has kind of no regard for any other age group, kind of puts them first and says, we're, we're all that matters. Um, and when you see youth media play out, it's often around culture as well, right? So it's about music and, and eating out and all that kind of stuff. But to find a publication in Australia that does hard news well for young people is is really hard. Hard news being? Politics, climate, economics. I mean, if you found another youth publication in Australia that would actually take the time to explain why houses are so hard to buy for first home owners, um, I'll give you a thousand bucks because- I did one on TikTok three weeks ago. Yeah? Pay up later. Jeez. Just marking around. You got me. <laughs> But that's the thing, right? There's not many out there and you're leading the way now too. Um, you know, you have to treat young people with respect. Um, and so Fox was different, you know, sport's different. But what I did learn from Fox was that um, there was room in the market for a product tailored to young people that talked across from them, not down to them. So led by young people. We haven't covered how you actually disseminate your news yeah and that's a really important piece sure so the main platform that we talk to people on is instagram we also have an email newsletter and a podcast and that appeals to different people and different consumer habits yep. but the main hero is is the instagram channel and the whole idea is that we know young people spend time on instagram they they're spending you know a couple of hours a day on on the platform and so we want you to be able to look at a picture of your friend having a coffee a picture of your favorite workout and then an article and then a picture of something else, and then this and that, and then another article. So we do a story bullet in the morning, but the main stories are posted on the grid. Is it by appointment? Do I know that it's always going to be a first story is going to come at 8 a.m.? We're pretty consistent, but it's no, we don't have a strict kind of, um, you know, it's as, as the news happens. And then right. what you do is you- As sort, the news happens. Yeah. Right. It's the swipe through. So right. we have a carousel of yep. up to 10 tiles. Yep. The front tile is there, and then you swipe through and read the article. Right. And then you're invited, most most posts you're invited to either privately message us or comment if you've got further questions and we're super reactive. That's part of our model as well. So we'll, if you say, I didn't understand this bit, your news company will actually reply to you and help you understand it. Okay. Well, how do you chunk it out? Depends on the story. The longest will go is 10 slides, which is probably about 500 words. Yep. Um, but we will only go that long if we really think that that's needed and we'd prefer to even break it up over two posts. Sometimes it only needs... This was the announcement on the latest travel restrictions to South Australia. This is what's changed and this is where you can find out some more information. We don't need to you know, keep going on and on about that. Yeah, yeah. And you don't need to politicise it and put opinion in no. it either. There's no, no opinions. Need. No opinions. There's a skill in all that. Yeah. Well, Zara and I wrote every single article that was ever existing on the Daily Oz until about April, May this year. Right. So, so we've had you know four years under our belt of every single day, Christmas, New Year's Day, when I was overseas on holidays, when I had a really tough day at work, we'd just write every single day. Um, 
And so we have developed a writing, a really strong tone that is, I, I describe it as casual. It's a casual tone. It's friendly. Um, and it, it is approachable. Not highbrow. Not highbrow. But also no swearing mm. and no lack of integrity in the writing. And that's hard to do, not highbrow, but also not say somebody's a fuckwit. Yeah. Um, and that, but we're, that because as soon as you say that, it becomes an opinion. Exactly. And because, you know, swearing is, is very opinionated. Very. I mean, it's usually around opinions. It's emotive. You've worked very hard on language. Very hard. It's not because you're object to swearing, I guess. It's about taking the emotion out. Exactly. So yeah. we'll write a headline that could say something like, wait, what's this all about? So we'll actually, we'll actually capture the internal voice of our readers in their heads and try and recognize what are the bits in that story that they're going to get tripped up on. Um, and then we'll take the time to, to express their perspective because that validates it. Like, shit, if the Daily Oz is thinking that we need to explain what interest rates are, then I'm suddenly not feeling too bad about needing to myself uh, and we'll take the time to do it. Uh, you know, and we do things like we'll put a slide in the middle of a particularly intense story saying take a break from this piece. That's clever. Um, because we know that the news is bloody miserable sometimes. And it gives you brain damage. Yeah. Okay, I actually can give you like, – it burns you. It, it, you know, we, we saw some serious, serious news fatigue yeah. in COVID especially. Yeah. We were, we were counting deaths. We were, we were, it was really hard going. So, you know, we, when we put up a post saying um, we're about to enter the weekend, this might be a good weekend to disconnect from the news, that was revolutionary for a news company to be saying turn off the news – no one has really seen that in Australia before. What do you mean by talking down to them? Is it because the current medium mm. media speak to what they consider to be their audience and they don't consider people in the 20s and early 30s to be their audience? Is, do you think that's part of it? Right, yeah, and it's because we don't spend money on news. You don't subscribe. No. So, so in terms of, you know, if we take a Fairfax 9 or a News Limited, we're not actually very valuable customers. We don't have a strong kind of annual um, money output for them. Um, we might respond well to advertising uh, and that's a way that they know that young people will respond well to their content and they can monetize young people. But then what you get is something interesting as well, which is that you get youth media that is heavily driven by native content. So, you know, you get a story about this is the best restaurant in Melbourne and the restaurant has actually paid some money to be there. Hmm. That goes to a big issue, again, of trust. So how on earth are we expecting young people to trust the following article, which is about why AstraZeneca is naturally a terrible vaccine, when you've just given them an article that's sponsored? And so because young people don't subscribe to, to news, they don't pay for subscriptions, the only route for traditional media is advertising. But then you get a situation where native content, non-native content is all muddled. And that... I mean, you, the trust in news is at a record low for young people in Australia. Because you're talking about the, the business model that the traditional medias use yeah. to disseminate news to, let's call it, people in your cohort mm -hmm. um, is not trusted because the business model works on a basis that can't allow you to trust it because yeah. it's, it's sponsored. Uh, well, it looks like it's always sponsored material. Which is fine if you're transparent about it. Yeah. So if, it's fine if you say, have a big disclaimer saying, this, this piece of content is brought to you by the mentor, yep. uh, and we really support them because they're a fantastic platform for, for business entrepreneurs to talk about their experiences. That is an example of, of honest, transparent sponsorship. Where it's not is when I decide to write a piece as a journalist saying, these are the five podcasts that have changed my life. 
mm. and you're number one, but in fact you've paid, paid for my it. employer. In other words, or, or another way, I mean, I've recently experienced this in, in various things whereby, uh, you know, there's an awards night. Right. And uh, you get nominated, but somehow the one that wins is the one that actually subscribed to the magazine or the industry subscription <laughs> the, yeah the most or one of the most sure. votes to win the bloody award and all of a sudden you're pitched up but, all, but equally people who know that they put no credibility in it whatsoever so sure. credibility is something you learned in your journalistic young years uh working for the fox sports and, and just being exposed to that sort of stuff yeah what did you learn in the law firm you were for one of the big 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 law firms yep. one of the super law firms yep. firms in australia you were yep. for a couple of years there what did you learn from that the first thing i learned was that it wasn't for me yeah, um, that's and important. That, you know, I'm I'm a high intensity, um, hyperactive, big thinker, and doing the specific details on the documents. You're in the weeds all the time. Yeah, as a young lawyer. Yeah, for sure. Until you become a partner, you can't you you can't sort of do a helicopter thing. You're no. as a young fella, you're out there working a million hours a week. It's really hard work. Or. It's really really hard work. Incredibly intellectually stimulating work, um, but really hard. Yucca. Yeah. Um, and so I, I worked out pretty early. It just wasn't a good fit for my skill set and my personality. Um, but I really wanted to see it through. So I, I gave myself kind of a, a deadline of I'm going to stay for at least two years to give this a proper crack. Um, because of course, you're not going to just walk in and know exactly what you're doing. Um, but the other thing I learned was just how different it was from my law degree at university. You know, I did a kind of, I did a degree that had so much variety in the subjects. And then all of a sudden I was just a corporate lawyer doing just litigation and one really narrow area of litigation and so all of a sudden i was specializing kind of by accident um but i think you know my main reason why i didn't quite fit um with the career was just that i had this insatiable thirst for explaining stuff to people and that wasn't being met in that career so when was the moment you decided this it i'm gonna turn it up here and i'm gonna go set up this business and what were the circumstances around it so I set up the business before I even started being a lawyer. I set up the business, I took the name The Daily Oz in 2013 when I was on a gap year trip and I wanted to access news on my phone. You reserved the name. Reserved the yep. name. Yep. And I couldn't load a website on my phone, but social media worked. So I just thought, well, why on earth isn't there little bits of news on social media? Took the name, did nothing with it for four years. Then in 2017, um, when I was starting to finish up my degree, I wanted to get it started again to give myself an option. So put something on LinkedIn saying, I'm looking for a co-founder. I don't want to do it by myself. And Zara replied. I hadn't met her before. We had mutual friends. And Zara's background, just tell me. She was in politics. Politics, right. Um, Who did she work for? She worked for Council House, which is a a political advisory firm. Right, okay. Um, And before that, she was part of an independent campaign. To Which independent? Karen Phelps. Oh, yeah, Karen, cool. Yeah. Um, So she spent some time in Canberra uh, in in Parliament when, when Karen was was a, a member there. Um, and so she responded on on LinkedIn. We went for a coffee the next morning and we've been doing it every day since. Um, and things started to get really real. We grew very slowly for three years, but did it every single day, 8 a.m. every single day we had a news bulletin. Whilst you're at the, uh, whilst doing your degree. Whilst yep. uni, and then whilst I was being a lawyer, yep. so I'd do it on the ferry. And then when COVID hit, all of a sudden, young people really gave a shit about what their premiers were saying. So we're talking about this time, uh, February last year. February, March last year. Yep. Young people really cared. They were watching press conferences from the Prime Minister. They were learning who their health ministers were. They were needing clear guidance and advice. And so when COVID hit, we were on about 4,000 followers 
Um, and then by the end of 2020, we were on about 40,000, but we started to get some media attention. And so one of the big moments for me was being in a mainstream traditional newspaper and that paper being open at my office at the law firm and people doing a bit of a double take saying, well, hang on, why are you there in the paper saying that you're running a media company when you're meant to be there at your desk doing law work? So um, you're, you're, you're a direct report or someone who you report into is asking that question. People were a bit puzzled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, knew, they knew that I had a hobby on the side and yeah. a lot of people in, in the corporate world do. Um, but it was clear to both Zara and I that it was starting to encroach on the way that we were working in our, in our other jobs. And so that's when we decided to raise some capital and, and give it a red oh, hot. Oh, I mean, yeah, hang on. You're, you're <laughs> at this stage, you're, you're, at, you're at Allen's, yeah. uh, which is like a massive law firm. Yeah. And then you get asked a question and then you and Zara just say, okay, curtain's up for that. I'm going to leave. You're going to leave. She, did she had already left her job? No, no, no. We both both going to leave around the same time? Yeah. You, went, you said we're going to run this uh, Daily Oz, like f f give it a fair go. Yeah. But you decided to raise money straight away? Yeah. Why, why, why? I think both of us – had a particular understanding of entrepreneurship that was like we don't have enough money in our own bank account capital capital to keep renting and eating yep um without earning a wage yeah yeah and because that's what a startup is exactly you're not gonna so, earn any money and it was weird for me because i've heard so many stories of startups where the founders quit and say you know I didn't earn a single cent for four years and yeah. all that kind of thing. <laughs> it's normal. Yeah, but I didn't exactly understand how that would play out in practice. You know, I I, I kind of had a, this sneaking sense of the reality of it was, shit, am I going to have to loan money off my parents? Like what? what's the go? So we made an agreement together that if we could find a way to pay us, you know, a really just bare bones wage that we would give it a crack. Um, and I think it was as much for us about validating the idea because it was non-revenue generating. Yeah, so no generate no revenue, but it, no. you, but you had a following audience, and readership, yep. a good audience, readership, yep. Yep. A, a brand that was getting some airplay, mm -hmm. um, and it was a fairly simple prospect. I mean, in terms of what you had to do, I mean, I mean, it's, it's complicated but simple at the same yeah, time. Yeah. How did you raise the money? I mean, how, who did you pick, and how did you, why did you pick them? So the proposition that we put to investors was, we want to run a sustainable media company in Australia. We don't know how we're going to monetize right now. Right. All we're going to focus on is building a trusting audience and we'll work the rest out as we go. So it means you've got to have some pretty ballsy. Uh, pretty ballsy. Yeah, those investors. How did you find those investors? We found them through family and friends. Right. So we found people who we knew were investors and we knew who were people who had some business acumen because that was what we were missing um, was kind of that strong. A bit of bench strength. A bit of bench to, strength. To add to what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but we also kept an eye on, okay, who can we – finds that will provide some journalistic strength as well. Um, so we're trying, to, we're trying to look for people who've had media experience and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we kind of found the first two and after that it was relatively- But how'd you find them? I mean, you, it sounds like it's yeah, easy, no, but no. how'd you find them? So the honest story was that I was speaking at a, at a primary school. I got asked by a friend to speak at a primary school for year six entrepreneurship day. And I was speaking and- um, delivered my speech to a bunch of 11-year-olds, sat down after, and a, another teacher came up to me and said, my brother has to buy your business. The teacher and said that? The teacher said that. And I said, I was, you know, I was meant to be at Allen's. I was meant to be at work. Um, and I said, you know, slow down. Let's, um, let's take it step by step. Who can you connect me with to have a chat to? And her brother has a big tech 
startup. Um, and so I went for a coffee with him and he said, yeah, I think there's something there. A tech startup being what? I mean, it can cover a lot of sins, but what, what do you talk about? It? What do you mean by tech startup? And not it's startups probably not the right word to yeah. use. So he runs a buy now pay later company. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, I think I know who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. There's two. There's okay. two okay. big kahunas. Um, and so after we got him on board, it was very much just. Was it Anthony? No, it was Larry Diamond. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Zip. I know the other one. Yeah. I'm an investor in Zip. So right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and Larry's just been so amazing in his support for young media entrepreneurs he's now back to few of us in, in the media space and it's been really fantastic working with him but i think when you have the strength of somebody like larry on board the proposition to other investors is a little a little softer the, the nature of investing today is no, i do it myself all the time uh who's investing oh okay they've done the work they're investing okay i'll invest too exactly <laughs> I mean, and i'm sure you weren't raising millions of dollars at the time no, no, so you're no. just getting enough to kick it off exactly and who else did you get um we got and I don't, we don't, they don't really want to be, I don't, we haven't they never, been named. No, we haven't okay. announced it publicly. Okay, it's an interesting enough. conversation to have with them. Um, but we got some people who've got political backgrounds, a lot of people who've got strong business backgrounds, um, a few different media types, some Canva folk, you know, we've like kind of went to the big startups. Did you go and raise money by, from 10 sort of different sources and yeah. did you raise about a million bucks or something along those lines? So we raised 500K. You raised half a million, um, yep. And we raised from 11 people. So okay, very so modest amounts. $50,000 leaks, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. That, that very, makes sense. Yeah. And from an investor point of view, that's sort of what, you know, like that's the sort of thing I would be prepared to risk in a startup with no revenue. Yeah, exactly. No, and um, and they all said the same thing, which was that they're all backing the founders. They yeah. all said exactly the same answer independently of each other, which was that we're backing founders, not the business. So which is, this is the beginning of last year? No, 2000. No, this was... Um, about a year ago, we started having these conversations right. and we closed the round in February of this year. February. So so here you go. you got the, the Daily Oz, you and your, your co-founder, Zara, maybe a couple of other staff, but you've got some investors putting in a bit of money, so you've got a bit of cash flow to come through the joint and yep. a bit of capital to spend. Yeah. They all appreciated that it's patient capital. Yeah, It's not exactly. sort of you know, immediate returns. And it's uh, fun. It's a fun business. And you know, it's, yeah, they're, they're enjoying yeah, being involved with totally. you and watching it grow. And yeah. And I think that's day. a really important part. You say it's fun, but how do you interact with your 11 investors mm -hmm. so that they can actually enjoy it? It's about being as open and transparent as possible about the challenges that we're having um, as well as the successes and setting really clear aims with, um, you know, by the end of the year, this is where we want to be uh, and that having numbers attached to it. So, you know, some super modest revenue numbers attached because the approach we're taking is that it's, opportunistic revenue if someone comes knocking on the door we'll have the chat but we're not going to kind of pump pump people up for it but it's all about audience um and more than that it's all about what exposure can we get what validity can we get in the australian media landscape so you know zara being on q a was one of our key aims and two weeks ago she was in other words that can be a pain in the ass to the traditional people such that people start to take notice of you that's not a bad marker yeah to present to your investors. Exactly. Because, I mean, it's you can't attach a value to it. No. But it's a good marker. But what we can attach the value to is audience numbers. So yeah. we said to them, by the end of 2021, we want 150,000 people on it, on Instagram. And we're in late November of 2021 and we've got 280. Well, you've killed it. We've killed it. So, so our aim is to double it by the end of the year as in we want to get to that 300 just to be able to calendar, say- Calendar, calendar. Calendar year. Yep. Um, just to be able to say we've we've doubled what we aimed for. Um, but then keep going and, and then go back to them when we need more capital and say, okay, that was the experiment. 
it, it's working. We've got, you know, 400, 500,000 young Australians who read us every single day. Um, and we're, we're now the sixth biggest news page in the country. You know, in the last six months, we've overtaken Sydney Morning Herald, Guardian, SBS. Um, we've got Channel 9 coming up in the next couple of thousand on Instagram. Um, and that's, that's serious. That's serious now. And so what we want to do is elevate our valuation from a youth media player to a media player. That's yeah. int- very interesting. So I want to go to the break. I want to come back from the break. I want to talk about your model, you, yeah. the way you roll your model. What is about your model that makes you different and, and makes you um, digestible mm-hmm. and appealing? Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't mind talking to you about, if you're prepared to, about what, how you propose to monetize it. Yeah. I mean, like, and when, how do you monetize? How do you work out the time which you can start to turn on the, on the tap for money? Cool. And, and what are the compromises around that or what are the arm wrestles Done. that you have to have various people <laughs> at that point? So we go to the break, we're going to come straight back. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm back from the break. I'm here with Sam Kovzlovsky. He's a co-founder. You're the CEO. What, what's your position? Co-founder. Co-founder. Okay. Yeah. The co-founder of the Daily Oz. It's a great new business. Um, it was, it's a great new business in the business of media, but it's a more a news platform. And we just sort of covered off how you arrived into this business. Yeah. What is your proposition? Why is it compelling? The proposition is the news is cooked. It's really hard to understand. We're going to give you a way to get your head around it in 10 minutes a day. And when a complex term comes up, we're going to walk you through it. So if we cover the fact that interest rates have remained stable on the first Tuesday of the month from the RBA, we're not going to assume that you know how interest rates work and who the RBA is. So we're going to take time to explain that. We're going to do all of that without making you feel stupid. Education, explanation, as much as news. So that's the first thing. Education and explanation. Yeah. On the assumption that... People don't know what everyone else assumes. Maybe you didn't do year 11 economics. And, but at the same time, respecting people's integrity. Totally. Respecting the audience's integrity. Yeah. And the way that we respect the integrity is that we are accurate. So we don't, we don't make mistakes. And if that means that things go a little slower and we take more time to get something out because it needs to be fact-checked, then that's what we'll do. Um, and that we have high quality. We don't have spelling mistakes. And, and you know, we don't make errors because- we want to match the quality that we, it's how we want to be treated. 
Um, and so all of that combined gives us a real sense of intimacy and strength with our, with our audience. We're actually talking to them in, in like the 10 minutes of the day that they are actually concentrating a lot. How did you work out there is an audience who wants that? The process was doing it for like two or 3,000 people for three years. And what we noticed was the strong habits that were being formed in that pool of people. And now obviously of that two or 3,000, you know, 1,000 new Zara or I. So we had some kind of backing there. But what we noticed was that if we put something out at 8.06 a.m., we'd get messages in those six minutes saying, where's my news? Where's my news gone for that day? We would notice things like it being brought up in classrooms as, as an example text. So we'd get a teacher saying, you know, I was in the staff meeting and we were talking about the curriculum for next term and the Daily Oz came up and I thought no one else knew about it. Right. Suddenly it's here. And we just started noticing, you know, more journalists following the page and a kind of the, the organic momentum we didn't spend any money on it, but it was that habit building that was the most important. We had, you know, sky high engagements. Um, people really cared. The audience would message us and say, hey, I'm not quite understanding the latest developments in Afghanistan. Do you mind explaining it for me? And we would reply. So we had that kind of two-way conversation with the reader, very different to a letter to the editor. Um, that, you know, totally. Yeah. So, so there were like some Which really- read. Yeah. There were some really strong early signs there that we had something good um, and then the question was just scale. Can you define what your audience is? We can. So, so 80% of the 280,000 are under 30, uh, and then it kind of bell curves around that. 80% of the readers are actually female, which is fascinating because we've never had any sort of angle towards a female readership. Um, it's just been totally organic. You know, the paid campaigns are kept to a minimum. It's just how it grows. And I've got a few theories as to why there's such a strong female. Can you share? Yeah, of course. So I think, and this is totally anecdotal as well. Yep. So it's, it, you know. It's not, a, not, it's not a based on some sort of analytics, but it, no. it doesn't matter. But what we notice is that most of our growth comes from private sharing of stories. So not even stories on someone's public page that's being reshared, but somebody sending it to three of their friends. And I think that female readers are more generous with their knowledge. So they'll read something really good and go, that was a fantastic piece. I'm going to send that to my friend group. Mm. Male readers, at least in my experience, read something and go, oh, that was good and keep going. Um, we're not as, as willing to share, um, especially around intellectual stuff. Um, we're not as, as willing to share, um, especially around intellectual stuff. So purely connecting the dots between the fastest way we've grown is the private shares and we've grown with female readers. That's my kind of connecting there. The other thing is influencers. We're really big in the influencer space. You mean micros or micro-influencers? Macros, micros and macros. Ma okay. We get reposted by influencers pretty much every day. Do you pursue the influencers or it's just an incidence of your business? Not, we don't pursue them anymore, but interestingly in our kind of massive growth phase of 40 to, to 200,000, we did pursue them, but we pursued them in an interesting way. And we pursued them by saying, hey, there's a US election on this week. I know you're probably getting questions as to some stuff about the election because you put up one protest photo or whatever. If you ever need something to share that you can guarantee is fact-checked and correct, here's a resource we prepared earlier. Right. And because these, these people are not, shouldn't have to comment on politics or, or you know, they just got a platform. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so if we can give them something to share, that can be actually really beneficial to them. You give them some content to share. Which, yeah, just our post, just our post. Right, but the assumption is that it fits within their own philosophical position anyway. Yeah, well, we have a very, um, we, we try our very best to be as centre and as apolitical and a philosophical as possible. So 
when they're just looking for something to explain to their audience as to how the US election works, then that can be something really helpful they share. So we've had lots of sharing around elections. We've had lots of sharings around, you know, vaccines, COVID, all that kind of stuff because people are looking for trust. You just raised something really interesting for me anyway, um, given your audience. Yeah. Um, is that because your audience does not not want their news to be politicised? It's because we're missing a step as society. So before we start trying to convince people of who to vote for, we need to convince them of why voting is important. Right. So there's actually a big layer that the news traditional media misses, which is explaining and educating the audience so that they're making an educated vote. And that's what we identified as like, okay, it's not actually our jobs to convince people of what to think. It's our jobs to make sure that they understand the issue. Which is traditional media, which is how the ABC was 30, 40 years it ago. It was traditional media, As yes. the BBC was like that 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. But it's hard to sell that. So, and we know that, you know, it's hard to sell a piece that says why voting is important. It's much easier to sell a piece of saying why you should vote for this person. It's, it grabs, you know, yeah. users are, are used to hyper opinionated, strong perspectives. Yeah, but we just keep reading about this and or watching and or tuning into the, the place that talks to our own politics. So cool. Totally. And that's so, echo chambers, so, right? So, that's, so it's nothing happens really. I'm no further advanced than I was already before Yeah, because they don't explain anything to me. But at the same time, I'm just hearing uh, it's just an echo of what's going on in my own mind. So all I was doing is affirming my own position. Yeah, So I'm, exactly. no further, I'm no better advanced. No, no. But you got to remember about a lot of young people that they're not reading anything. So it's not like they are already in an echo chamber. They're actually totally disconnected from the news. So we know through surveying and, and messages that we are the only source that young people read. So even in the way that you're talking to me about echo chambers and what you're understanding and reading about the world, you're also missing a step. Young people are not engaging with traditional media. They're not actually watching the ABC or Sky. So they don't have a political spec. They don't have a political view one way or the other. They actually don't know. They're apathetic. They, and that's not because they don't want to know. It's because they open the Herald and go, holy shit, this is a lot to take in. So we're just taking it back a few steps. And so that political disengagement has been understood by older generations to be apathy. It's been understood to be they don't give a shit, but they do give a shit. They just don't have been given the opportunity to become literate. In order to have the tools no. to, 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 to actually wade the way through it. Yeah. I've often wondered this about myself because- I'll listen to the ABC in the morning yeah. until I've had a guts full of it, um, but I will listen to it. But in the evenings, I feel as though before I go to sleep at night, <laughs> I want to listen to Paul Murray. And I've often thought to myself, uh, which is Sky News and Paul's you know, very uh, right of politics, mm -hmm. and I've often thought to myself the reason I like to listen to Paul Murray because he's not telling me anything I haven't already heard and uh, picked up during the day, whatever, is sort of like a comfort zone for me because um, I can leave my day, put a full stop in my day, with someone who balances my day out from all the ABC-style stuff I've been listening to and all the Fairfax stuff I might have been watching. Um, and I've, I've, I thought to myself, Mark, that's, it's, it just helps you go to sleep at night. Mm. It's not really uh, changing anything in your life. Yeah. Is, is that like, I mean, I'm getting sort of a bit deep in the weeds about the psychology of yeah. news, but is that, I mean, you're, you're someone who's a great observer of news yeah. um, and people who follow news and audiences. Is that? Would that be a fair assessment of myself? In other words, I'm getting fuck all out of it. I'm just doing it because it helps me go to sleep. Oh, totally. I mean, that's the human condition, right? The human condition is that, um, you know, as we 
winds down from our day. We don't, I don't know if you want to be intellectually stimulated and challenged no, and don't. all that kind of stuff. And that's why we see such a success in late night television in the US. I mean, the, um, obviously the US has so much more scale and population behind it to, to have so many different options. But, you know, late night TV, think about it. It's, it's all about either lighthearted entertainment or preaching to the choir and, you know, telling people the things they already know. Or it's infomercials and it's, you know, comedies and all that kind of thing. So I have no, I have no um, surprises that you want to listen to that before you go to sleep um, and, and dream, dream all things Paul Murray's Sky News. Yeah, um, no, please. And I think, you know, we get, we get big engagement late at night as well. So people are on Instagram reading stories as well. So, look, I think it's totally normal. Where, where that can get, um, I mean, what, what saddens me about the way that you've just described Australian media is that it's a terrible, it's a terrible state of affairs. hundred like percent. You think that you're you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. There's no one you can turn to. Maybe you should give us a read, but you know, it's it's that's not how news is meant to be. It's yeah. not how news is meant to be. News is meant to be um, really helping you so that when you walk into a voting booth every three years, you totally understand what you're doing. Well, my generation, a lot of people, my generation approach news is it's habit. A lot of people in your cohort don't have that opportunity no. haven't had that opportunity i grew up with some of these people so you know i know them but your cohort doesn't know them let's take the u.s election last year yeah trump noise 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 biden plenty of noise as well by the way yeah you know i would listen in the morning to the abc and i'd hear biden 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 anti-trump then i listen to paul murray at night anti biden pro 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 trump yeah um and i have my own views what did the Daily Oz do in terms of education around that phenomenon that was existing in the world, which, by the way, the whole world took an interest in? Mm. Oh, it was some of our highest engaged content um, since we began the Daily Oz was the US election. It was just massive. You know, the, the numbers associated with the readership of those stories was pretty mind-boggling. We'd be lucky to attract that for the Australian election which says something and that's perhaps a different conversation. Our main role in the US election was helping people understand the unbelievably complex electoral college and presidential voting system. And then trying to pick apart some of the key issues that were being fought, the the election, what are the issues that the candidates would die on the hill on? And things like race, you know, we'd just come off the back of Black Lives Matter um, and so we really tried to break down, you know, and it wasn't, you know, I, I, I don't want anyone to think that it was just an agenda of one particular candidate. We broke down both candidates' political histories and neither of them have very strong racial histories um, in politics especially. So some of Trump's behaviour obviously speaks for itself, but Biden also had some voting, you know, in the 80s and 90s that was not favourable to, mm. to African-American communities as well. But our key job there was helping everyone keep on top of how is this system playing out? Why does Trump keep talking about Maryland? Um, you know, why do particular counties matter? Who cares about Florida? Well, actually, it's worth a lot of electoral college votes, and here's why that matters. And even though we don't vote for our prime minister in Australia, this is why they vote for their president and all that kind of thing. And so all of a sudden you had people messaging us who had never engaged with politics before saying, can you give me an update on the on the voting count in this particular county in Georgia. I was like, how cool is this? We have a 22-year-old Australian university student caring about US politics in a way that I don't think they really appreciated they could have cared. And that was really that was really rewarding. And then we built that understanding so that when there was all the dramas after the election about the validity of the vote and, and all that kind of thing that, of course, culminated in January 6, our audience could understand what was happening. You're talking about the riot. The right, right, in, yeah. in January, yeah. Yep. 
our audience could understand exactly what was happening throughout that entire process, which, you know, and there's still inquiries, there's still everything going on. So it was a really valuable exercise. So 2021 was an extraordinary year. I mean, for, for you guys, for yeah. everybody, by yeah. the way, because it's like a bit of a gift in some respects. You know, you had the Facebook um, deal in, in February. Yeah. Uh, in March, a job keeper, you know, wage issues. The first person in April died from the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine, June lockdowns, uh, August the submarine business more lockdowns, yeah, I mean, and more lockdowns in <laughs> October and November. So, you know, you, you guys had a, a magic gift yep. for your style of news in terms of educating everybody, your your cohort. Definitely. 2022 yeah. is going to present to us some really interesting stuff economically um, but also politically. So we've sure. got an election coming up. Where do you think Daily Oz is going to go in terms of the 2022 election, which is, is going to be a bit of a, a phenomenal election and we're, and we're going to totally. get hit up hard yeah. in ways we've never been used to before. Yeah. We've got a few jobs this election and we've already, we're, we're well into the swing of it. So we just released a podcast series called Young, Dumb and Informed. The four big issues that we think young people are going to give a shit about for the election, we're going to break them down by speaking to one member of the government, one member of the opposition, and an individual at the centre. On every issue? On every you- issue. Great. So we've done an episode on climate. We spoke to Matt Canavan from the Nationals, Adam Bant from the Greens, and a farmer. And we put all of that together in a package. Then we did a mental health one. We spoke to the Assistant Minister, the Prime Minister for Suicide Prevention and Mental Health. Yep. I know David. David. Dave Common, who's here last week. Right. And then we spoke to Emma McBride, who's the opposition minister yep. for mental health, and a young person who's struggling to book in with a psych. The episode being released tomorrow is about housing affordability. So we spoke to Jason Falinski, we spoke to Jason Clare, and we spoke to a young person looking to buy a home. So our work's already begun for the election. We are all about helping you understand, A, where the parties are separate, and but B, where they're actually the same. And that's equally as important, I think, for us as Australians to understand. As we get closer to the election, we're going to be sending people out into the hot seats. Uh, you know, it's going to be there's going to be some particularly heavy battles. In, Contested seats is what you mean yeah, by that. Yep. Yeah, there's going to be some particularly heavy battles in um, in some of those inner city seats where Climate 200 and and those um, guys have poured money into independence, and the independents are really going to shake stuff up. You're talking about like plebiscite seat here in Sydney. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So, Latin for example, or... Wentworth. I mean, Wentworth. think of oh, Wentworth. Okay. Wentworth. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. The independent candidate's just been announced. Um, it's going to be a fascinating contest and it's going to be about climate, really. And then we want to try and host the first leaders debate on social media. So we want it to be on, on Instagram. We want to have the prime minister and the opposition talking for a debate to young people. It's something that traditionally goes to Triple J. Um, Triple J normally position themselves with that kind of thing. Um, but we're working really hard to make sure that we're the, we're the ones that can get that kind of coverage. And then it'll be about just making sure when you're walking into the ballot box, you know what you're doing. Do you think it's something that needs to be explained? This is not a presidential election, by the way. Yeah. Um, but it sort of is becoming one. <laughs> totally. That's a really, really important point. You know, understanding how our political system works. Why the why is the ballot paper a, a meter long? How do, yeah. how are the votes counted? How do we know that the vote has integrity? Um, what does preferential voting mean? Why is this person getting my vote if I voted for this person? There's so much we need to do. And you kind of learn it for a couple of weeks in year 10, but it's not really teased yeah. out. Um, that's our job. What is your um, plan in terms of your business to, at some stage, monetize this business? Because, yeah. you know, you're building a big audience. You said right at the beginning you'd like to see 400,000. Let's say by the end of 2022, which is another gift year, <laughs> um, it just keeps giving, you might be at, a million for a yep. bake. Yep. Um, a million readers is 
is a pretty good baseline. Um, how do you monetize it? I mean, without pulling your pants down and uh, doing the usual. We want to follow a well-trodden path from other social media players, which is that you're actually going to, we, we build a brand universe. And so do you know the Inspired Unemployed, the, yep. the lads, yep. the two comedy guys? I mean, they've just released their own beer. And so yep. you think about that for a second, right? You think, well, they could have gone and done a deal with a big beer producer and, yep. and flogged that, yep. but they've actually come out with their own. So for us, it's going to be about experimenting with product and services that young people are already consuming that we think we can sell them and not have to flog somebody else's stuff. So the way we're going to get there is by looking at ways to do sponsorships. So, you know, our podcast is sponsored, our newsletter is sponsored. We have a really strict um, regime of how we pick our sponsors and that's how we're going to get to that point because we know we just can't keep raising capital and capital and yep. capital. Um, but the ultimate goal here is like, okay, young people, let's take an example. Young people are spending a lot of money on laptop chargers. Everyone's at uni. Everyone's buying a laptop charger. What if we could make our own laptop chargers? Now, that's not going to be the idea because mm. I think Apple's got that pretty sewn up. But what can we give them that they already have that they can start directing their revenue towards us? We see vitamins influencers do that, produce their own vitamins. We see... The Batuta Advocate guys do that as well. I mean, so got their own beer. Yeah. So we've got people who know their audiences really well who are then going to market products to that audience. Is that your generation? That's how they view people like Our you. generation is very tribal. It's yep. very much about um, what community are you part of and how do you kind of give little social signals to other young people that you're part of that community. Um, and that's, that's something that traditional media hasn't had to think of. Traditional media had the best time. They yeah. had real estate and cars. They had the classifieds. The classifieds. It, it, I was, mean, it was killing them. What a dream. But they've lost it all, of course. It was the rivers of gold. Yeah. And, and um, so now if you look at traditional media, it's about subscriptions, which, which can work, but you need the right audience, and it's about advertising. Yeah. I would rather totally fail in this business by 30 than pursue the same tired path as the only options. They're both good options to have. You know, we might do donations and we're not ruling anything out, but if we're not innovating and if we're not trying something different, then what's what's really the point? At some stage, do you feel as though you'll be seduced into um, pushing a political agenda? Because it's going to, if yeah. you become big and powerful, mm. they're going to come at you. Right. It's it's about who you ask, right? So, so if you look at climate, for example, young people have a particular perspective on climate based on science. And so we've been told that we're pro-climate. By that measure, we're already political. We also get a heap of messages that we are right-wing. And that's how we actually know we're doing the right thing is when both sides are mm. saying that you guys are shit. Of course, we'll get pressure. Of course, we'll get pressure to do all of that, um, as every media company does. Um, the key for us is just not forgetting about who the audience actually is. Because yeah. the audience doesn't actually care what we think. They don't really give a shit if we vote left or right. What they care about is that for the five or six minutes a day that they're using us as a news service, their only news service, that we're doing a good job. They're not big news readers. And that's that's a shift. They're not pouring over the fin on a Saturday morning. Yeah, like we my generation did. Yeah. It was compulsory to read the fin review every day. It's different. What you're doing I think is quite fascinating, but it's actually a very good read on um, what people need in, in a, a certain age group. Have you got anything you want to ask me? Because uh, I've been asking all the questions. You got a question for me? When you look at the future of media, do you see companies like us be able to break the stronghold of the really big traditional players? 
Well, I can only um, give reference to what happened to my business when I first took on the banks. The answer to that is yes, um, as long as you have the right partners, you have the right amount of capital to do it because what they do is they lean on you with weight. If I could just probably explain to you a bit like two fighters. Let's say you're a really skilled fighter. In your case, you're a really skilled media guy. But you're fighting a guy like um, Tyson Fury who's six foot nine, 200, you know, 290 pounds, and he's just as skilled as you are or he could do what you do, but he just has a different way of fighting. But what he does, he leans on you. Every time you do something good, he comes and leans, he puts his weight on you. And over a, a 12 rounds, um, you'll be exhausted, yeah. at which point he then clobbers you. Now, that is sort of what a, a an upstart does, an upstart organisation, any category does. And the way the big guys, the incumbents deal with you, they lean on you. What they're hoping you do is you'll fail. Your legs will give way on you. They're hoping you'll fail, which is why I'm saying you need plenty of capital. You need plenty of energy. Capital's energy. Yeah. So you need plenty of energy and you need to keep away from them. You can't play their game. Whatever you do, the biggest mistake you can do is play their game. Mm. As soon as you allow Tyson Fury to lean on you yeah. and you think you can wrestle him off and you, and you can stand up grapple, mm. you've got no chance. Yeah. You've got to keep away from him and you've got to have the legs to do it. Yeah. And the legs, your legs in business when you're an upstart is your capital base. Yeah and your business partners and all those things that give you energy and totally. your, in your case, your audience. Yeah. So yes, I do believe that. What happens though is these big guys, the incumbents have another strategy. They say, if I can't lean on him and bust his legs, what I'll do eventually is I'll buy him. Yeah. So, and you know, and they all seduce you with the big check. Yeah. And it's better to take you our way as nuisance value and either absorb you into their own business model. In other words, say we've got now both models. We've got the traditional model, and we've also got a Sam Mazzaro's model. Or um, they buy your model and they bury it. Now, I've experienced both of those. Right. So General Electric bought my model, but they also had my mortgage brand, which is an upstart brand, was taking market share. But then what happened was the CBA and Aussie guys bought from GE and they buried it. Right just to take a competitor out. But the checks were so seductive. Yeah. And they know, Kerry Packer used to always say, it, everyone's got their price. Yeah. There's a price at which you're going to say, what the hell? <laughs> and uh, yeah. because we all put family and business at the top of the tree and we have, after that, we have a descent, in descending order, we have a whole lot of principles, you know, and it could be, you could be an end of axle or whatever it is, but ultimately your business will always take precedence because you can't have a, a look after your family or what you love, those you love, unless your business is doing well. Yeah. So they know that psychology. So all your principles about how important the news should be and how it should be fair, et cetera, um, ultimately um, you get to a point where, shit, I, I can't do this anymore. It's giving me brain damage <laughs> and there's a big check in front of me. It can endure and live for the long term. The question that I would maybe another way of putting the question is, Mark, will I be the person who does this or will it be some bigger organisation that does it for me after I sell out? Yeah. If I sell it. That will be the question. That will come down to your own your own personal view on where you where you are at that particular time. Yeah. And your investors too, because you've got investors sure. who may want to return. Sure. And that's going to be an interesting, interesting thing for me to watch. Like I'm yeah. extraordinarily curious about <laughs> those sis situations as they evolve because what a lot of people say, they say, okay, I will sell out because I'm going to do something else. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying necessarily going to sit in a boat in Fiji or something like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm going to do something else that's just as important to me 
And then, because I've already done my job here, mm. I've actually exposed how traditional media works. I've built an audience of people and I've educated them. I've actually helped them tool themselves up to know what's important yeah. and how to deal with what's important. Yeah. I've done their job. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong philosophically with taking the check. Yeah. As long as I'm going to do something else that's valuable mm. to someone. Yeah. So that's my answer. Wow. It's it's a bit of a roundabout, but because yeah. I've been through the process yeah. a couple of times. I and haven't. it's very challenging. <laughs> well, you're too young. You're, we're yeah. not too young. You're very young. But I tell you something, what I would say to you, things work a lot faster now than they ever did in my day when and it took, someone like me, it took, takes 10 years to do it. These times, things happen in much shorter periods. Big organizations, the incumbents react much more quickly. And all of a sudden, when you're making a big impact and taking market share away from them, um, they have no compunction whatsoever in taking you out or yeah. offering a takeout. Yeah. None, zero. Yeah. These days they worked out. People like you have too much energy. You're too strong. Mm-hmm. You're too well educated. You got you, your balls are too big. Yeah. Like they just and they know that you've seen others do it. Yeah. Totally. And you've been encouraged, and you and you think, no, I'm not going to give up. So, be interesting to see how you go over the next couple of years. Um, you're doing a great job. Um, I'm you. actually going to follow you. Thank you. I want to digest, particularly next year. I want to digest what you're saying about the politics because I'm insanely interested in politics. Um, and I'm insanely interested in how people don't understand it. I appreciate your time, um, particularly in busy times like this. Um, I love your enthusiasm, (laughs) and particularly when I add it to your age and it's just generally it's so cool for me to sit here and talk to someone like you, Sam, about what you're doing. I really appreciate it. Well, let's let's regroup and see how it all pans out. You betcha. And if you ever want to talk to someone, like you know, like just get a friendly view. I don't don't want any for it. Just a friendly view, but someone's had the experience of these things. Just reach out to me. It's cool. Thank you. Happy to talk to you. Really appreciate that. Sweet. Epic. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast.